0: what is up internet how are we all doing good i hope as usual we're all doing well out there hopefully except we've got to wear masks again if you're in the uk that's great love it my favorite welcome to episode 12 13 13 of let's talk fantasy we're going to do something a bit different today and we're going to do a book review so we're going to do a review of one of a, a book i've come to really enjoy and i think i've mentioned it before spellmonger of the spellmonger series written by terry Mancor. A man who writes books. Not a lot to say about him. We're not going to talk about him. It's not about him. It's about the book. So where we're going to structure this, I'm going to give a somewhat brief um, summary of the plot of the book. So you can you know, have some idea if you've already read it or if you're not going to read it and you just want to know. Because I do that all the time. And then I'm going to talk about my high points um, of it, the low points, the things that I think would subtract points, and I'm going to give it a score at the end, and we'll see where we land with that. So there will be spoilers ahead for the Spellmonger series. I'm going to add a little little me in the future uh, about here. Psst. You, yeah, you sat there, listen to this. Hi, it's a guy in shed from the future. So if you want to skip any sp- like the bulk of the spoilers, there might be the odd one after this. Just because that's where I sort of talk about the pros and cons. Uh, If you want to skip spoilers, go to 16.22. Like, past me from five minutes ago. Well, 20 minutes ago, because I can figure out how to record separately, because I'm an idiot. He don't know about this, so shh, between you and me, because I nearly forgot. So, fuck that guy. See you later. Love you. Bye-bye. And it's going to tell you when you can skip to if you just want the Honest to God review. Okay? Okay. Sound guy, do your thing, imaginary person. Okay. Hello, welcome back. Fancy seeing you here after the intro music. As said, episode 13. So... Review, Spellmonger, Terry Mancor, Can't remember when it was released. Doesn't really matter, does it? Let's face it. I mean, why would you care when the book was released? Some of the best books I've read, like the Chris Bunch series, which I'm not going to talk about, were released in like the 80s and 90s. So, baba booey Now, the brief impression I can give you from the book, in case you're just like, oh, I want to just hear the brief impression is, it's some, it's it's like a, it's not a breath of fresh air, it's a slight breeze of fresh air. Terry Mancourt, I credit to the man, is very very good at world building, he's very very good at, I don't know how to describe it, he's very good at creating a fantastical fantasy world with some unique concepts while still having enough of it that allows it to be recognisable. Now, I don't know if I've gone into this, but I think we're having a bit of a problem in the genre right now, where there's not enough freshness in it. It's kind of stagnated, and, you know, in the recent years, all anyone ever really gave a shit about was, like, Game of Thrones. Now it's sort of moved on to The Witcher, which, as as fantastic as those stories were, I don't know, there's still just not enough originality. I mean, Game of Thrones was ripped straight out of English history. I mean, I think... What's his name? George R. Martin actually said... At one point he based them on the Wars of the Roses anyway. So, And The Witcher, it, it. it's very, very fucking good. The game is good, the show is good, the books are good. But the, the books were released like 20, maybe going on 30 years ago now. It's it's kind of come to a point where it's like, come on, we need some new ideas, we need some new freshness. Because otherwise it's just going to stagnate and die and we're just going to start getting more of the same. And it's been the same for so fucking long everything's the same oh, there's orcs, there's elves, there's goblins, there's dwarfs oh, everything you already know the dwarfs have Scottish accents except Dragon Age where they're American I don't like this decision but I respect it so I'm really hoping that someone who can get a big name behind them can really push some boundaries and reinvent the genre a little bit because we deserve you know as people that have been fans of it for how many years of your lives and you know you put a lot of time and effort into reading uh, these stories people create and, you know, even if it's a good story, I think it's time to we, we move past the traditional orcs and ogres and things like that and maybe try and create some new ideas. But that's getting off topic and that'll be a subject for another day more than likely because I've got a lot of thoughts on that and I don't think about a lot to start with. So, Spellmonger. Breeze of fresh air. It's not the best book I've ever read, but it's up there. I'd probably put it in my top 10 of the probably several hundred. It does some interesting things with magic, does some interesting things with the traditional fancy race of goblins, and it, I like that it takes place in a world where, at least in the earlier books, there's not as many magical, fantastical creatures like giant dragons that breathe fire from the heavens, and they come later. Spoilers but I like that it's kind of a man-dominated world, where a lot of them are, like, just once, just once. And I think J.S. Moran actually experimented with that with his Twin World series. I want to see humans not, not, being the dominant species. It would be an interesting change of pace to perhaps see them be almost like the survivors of a dying race or something, the same way that elves are portrayed in The Witcher. Sort of like the remnants and scum, but I feel feel it's almost like a, uh, not an oxymoron, it's kind of a weird one because you you sort of get this impression of humans in fantasy, especially if you're like a tabletop player where it's like, oh yeah, but the humans are the worst of the races, the elves are super smart and wise, and the dwarves are stout and hardy, And words, but that's never the case in damn near anything I've read, and it's actually occurred to me just now talking about it that it's almost like an expectation we all have that humans are going to be the worst race, but they always are the best, or they always have the most potential to be the best, and it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? But we're getting off topic again, so it does some interesting things, it's, it's a good book, and I do actually recommend it, despite whatever flaws will come its way. Obviously, being the first review, I'm going to say now, I'm not going to review things I didn't like. So, if I give something a 1, for instance, to me, that's just meh, it was alright, I read it. 5 is, oh yeah, I smashed that. Anything above 8 is, this is the greatest shit I ever read and it changed my life. But, saying all of that, it is now time to start a review. So, the story takes us into your traditional fantasy world of a man-dominated world, there's The Echoes of an age-old Imperium since Fallen. And it takes place in this world where it's dominated by five duchies. But that'll be, you know, it's largely irrelevant for the purposes of this review. So the story focuses around a man known as Minolin the Spellmonger. Now, I listened to this as an audiobook, I should point out. So I've read some reviews myself that have said the editing is quite bad. Haven't experienced that firsthand. I'm just going to assume the internet is correct on this one because... Quite a few reviews said the editing was bad in the book. So this man Minilin, he's an ex-war mage. He, he used to go out and do interesting things like just dis- helping destroy castles and demoralise enemy troops. Now he's but a simple spillage velmunger, curing cattle of diseases and setting wards against fire and things of that nature. But the story picks up in his small village of Minden's Hall and he is awoken by fire and death and screaming and all these lovely things that our fantasy heroes are always awoken by. He gets his apprentice and grabs his sword and war equipment and he heads out to see what's going on and it's a goblin warband attacking the village. Now, through some interesting magics, again, brief summary of the book, guys. I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens uh, in every moment. He fights off the goblin invaders and recovers a small artefact known as a witch stone or irionite, which is a heavily controlled magical resource that can supposedly make a mage unstoppable but why do the goblins have it this is what bothers him so he sets out, he meets his lord they have a brief conversation about what's going on and Minnan says look, this is a vanguard you need to get the people into uh, the nearby castle of Boval Boval castle and get them safe and the, the lord goes ah right you are my man, right you are sir now, Minland meets what I would call the Elf Equivalent, although they're quite similar to the Children of the Forest of um, the Song of Ice and Fire series, uh, known as the Fair Folk or the Forest People or the... They're normally referred to in the book as the Alka-Alon. Uh, a lot of the magical races of the book have the Alon at the end of their name or something similar. Or something similar to that, yeah, you get me. And they might have got an incredibly powerful gem here. Well but it's corrupted by something, and if you use it, it could control you, so we're going to uncorrupt it and make it even more powerful, because why the fuck not? There's greater games to be played here, sir, than your petty squabbles of men. Now, Millen goes off, recruits an arm- a small army of mercenaries, goes back to the castle, and finds himself besieged by an army of goblins. Wait, sorry, did you just say goblins are the main threat? Man in a shed? Come on. Yes, Goblins are the main threat, motherfuckers. They're getting their moment to shine, damn it. Now, he meets a lady, a lovely lady, who becomes his wife. I believe her name is Alia. Something about the names in this book, a lot of the women have... Ah, And in the names. So you've got Pentandra, Alia, Elia, Ephelia. Lots of Elias and As, and stuff like that. Doesn't matter. Meets a lovely lady, gets back in touch with his ex-girlfriend. And is like, Hi, can you do me a favour and like, get me some mercenaries? and troops, and more mages. Just a little, little favour. should point out, magic in this world, not every mage can just conjure fireballs. That's incredibly difficult. And it... Terry uncle he spends a lot of time pointing out how actually weak magic is in his world, but because it's still magic, it's better than nothing. So, it could take mages days to prepare what, from most other fantasies, would be a very simple spell. And that's kind of interesting to me. And Midland kind of breaks that system with his magical gem of ultimate power. Which a lot of people end up getting throughout the story. But, you know, that's the sort of main thing that made him the hero to start with. He's got this incredibly powerful gem. Now, throughout the siege, different things happen. He leads sorties. He He's helping defend against undermining breaches. He's destroying siege towers. He's got a little core of wizards, his apprentice, uh, another... Spellmonger nearby, who's an arsehole With his apprentices, and he's like, right, you lot You're having these magical gems as well And we're gonna fuck them up Now, one of the apprentices goes mad Kills one of the senior apprentices It's a whole ordeal Poor little Eric Now, he forms a Bond with this lovely lady, Alia, and they start You know what I mean And the story progresses. Now eventually he leads a sortie into the goblin encampment. And finds one that can best him in combat. He's trying everything. He's speeding himself up. He's throwing magic at it. He's fighting as best he can. And he can't do it. He was just beaten by a goblin. Who then speaks to him with a disembodied voice. Declaring the the speaker to be God. The God of the goblins. The God of the Gervan. They're called Gervani in this. Or goblins. So. Already. Within the first half of this story, we've got a hero who I should point out, Millen is charismatic as fuck. I actually thought Terry Manko was English because he just nailed the idea of British sarcasm so effectively. And he's just always like, oh, I didn't want to die today because that would have been awkward. Like, Joe, you know what? That is right. It would have been slightly awkward and inconvenient. That is an English mentality, sir. I raise my tea to you. And. Yeah, the story carries on. Some more more wages appear. Millen leads a small rebellion against his rightful lord because the lord has been sitting on a secret. It turns out the castle was built atop the goblins' most sacred site that was taken from them generations before, and they have spent their time wisely militarizing their entire race, while the humans of the area of this land known as the Bolval Vale have been building this impregnable fortification. Kusi even says at one point, if we'd had another 50 years, we would have been ready. However, he did not have that time. For the dead god is coming. And that is the main threat of the story, this being known as the dead god. Now, it later turns out there's a wibbity-wobbity, reality-warping-y, magic-y thing called a monopar. And our hero, he uses the power of his penis to fuck his ex-girlfriend to keep a portal open because god damn it, magic is interesting in this world, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, his girlfriend even kisses him halfway through at one point, which I can only imagine would be an incredibly awkward experience. Just, just people of the world, people who hear this, imagine this. You're boning your ex because you need to save the world and only your penis will do it. And your girlfriend just walks up to you and halfway through. You're trying to maintain focus and right. And then I'll put the leg over here and... Oh, hello, love, are you Oh, lovely, thanks. That's distracting. He actually makes a joke in his head that he hopes his apprentice didn't do the same. Or that the nearby knight didn't do the same. So, with his army of mercenaries and the people of the Vale, and what few soldiers remain, they evacuate through the portal. But our war mage, I can't because they were all necessary to keep this portal open. So they step out into the day. And they see the dead god and spit in his eye. It turns out the dead god is one giant, tonin something, huge blob of irionite. This incredibly powerful magical resource. And our heroes have taken dozens of these by now from goblins. And they are all chipped from this one being who appears and he's like, Look, I'm going to fuck you. It's not going to be pleasant for anyone involved. And I don't mean in that way. Not in the way you just did. Dirty humans. Dirty. At this point, Milan is saved by the Alka'alon, Tree, foe, Children of the Forest, LV people. And they're like, hey man, we're, uh, we're going to fuck him up. But we probably won't be able to, so you need to go and do something about this. And Milan's kind of like, well... I don't really want to be a hero, man. Can I just go retire? Maybe move somewhere else where they're not on a rampage to destroy all of humankind? Nope, you have to be the hero, because... Otherwise, there wouldn't be a book. So, Mellon, he, he aids the al and in trying to defeat this being, but it, it is able to destroy them, and they are teleported away to safety, and, yeah, the heroes escaped. Where Mellon's ex-girlfriend, Pentandra, explains to him, so, you need to go and be a politician for a while, and go and raise some armies. And he was like, oh, I don't want to raise some armies... I'm a country bumpkin at heart. I just want to go eat some grain and bake some bread. And he does not get to do any of this. He has to go be an important person. The trick to being an important person in this world, by the way, is to be the most powerful motherfucker in the world. Because he's basically, by human standards, he's basically unstoppable. So he sat out. Now, many, 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 many details were missed here. Very interesting details. However, that was just a little. little taste, a little taste of the book if that sounds like something that would interest you Spellmonger by Terry Core. available on Audible, Amazon and some book reta- book retailers feel free to sponsor this bro Like you know, whatever but that's a brief summary of the story of the first book there are a multitude of books now we've got Sky, The Skyriders where it's about this lady with hawks and shit the actual book series itself is I think on book maybe 11 or 12. And they're not short, guys. Like Even listening to them, they some of them get into the 40 hours. It's not a short book. Uh, some of them are like 25, 17. But the first one, I believe, is 30, 40 hours. Which, you know, is if, if you have Audible, use your tokens. Fantastic value. So the man is putting in work in this series and creating a very long, intricate story, which I appreciate and I approve. I hope he knows when to stop. Some authors don't. They don't realise where the logical ending of the story is and they just keep going and going and going. Just anyone out there, all of you in the world, if you're writing a story, know when it should end. Don't write a filler book. Don't write side stories. End the fucking story when it needs to it's a hard skill to learn and I actually have a friend who's writing a book at the minute and he said to me like he's written he knows what happens at the end he just doesn't know how long it will take to get there and I I had to say to him like look just don't drag it out don't make a whole book dedicated to oh this is just filler because I've seen it done and it pisses me off and everything pisses me off this time of year because I work at the supermarket yeah can't say which one though because breach of something or other now the review section of this review. In terms of story. The actual story being put in front of me. I would give it good. Because I can't, I can't do numerical values off the spot and then add it all up. Because I know what I want to rate it as, as a total. So, the story itself is absolutely brilliant. I wouldn't rate it a 10 out of 10 or anything. I'd rate it as good to very good. It's somewhat original, there's some interesting concepts with the magic, there's some very 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 original ideas in it, but it stays familiar enough to everything we know to make it familiar, but somewhat predictable. That's a good point for it though, is that the story is very good. Characters, they vary for me. So it always seems the principal characters, like Minelin, our main hero, fantastically well-written, relatable heroes. And we love a relatable hero, guys. We like to immerse ourselves. Some of the secondary characters or tertiary characters, not so much. Some of them turn out to be very inconsistent. And I don't understand why. They just are... They seem to flip-flop between decision-making. Like, the whole idea that this girl would just... Like... So, before Minlin fucks his ex, because of course, he has a row with his girlfriend about it, and then she comes up and kisses him halfway through. I'm like, guys, like, I've had girlfriends, I know they'd still be angry. Come on! But, that, that's neither here nor there. So, I rate the characters between very good and poor. Next, writing. Couldn't say. I can only go from reviews. The editing is trash, apparently. Full of typos and errors. Can't attest to it myself, but I will still be keeping that in mind when giving my final score. (laughs) What else is there? Writing style. Okay. This is the bit I didn't want to talk about, because I know that I'm going to have to say something negative about a book I love. Terry Mancourt is very good at world building. He's very good at exposition dumping, and as any of you know, the first book in a series is always an expedition dump. There's so much to bring into it. The the world, the characters, the countries, the plots, everything has to be done in the book one, so I expect an exposition dump. He takes it a little bit too far at times. Also, I don't know why this author I love holds me in such contempt, because he repeats himself sometimes. He will give you the same piece of information multiple times, pages apart. Sometimes even in the same paragraph. I've I've listened to it happen, and you know, I heard you the second time, mate. I'm like, please stop repeating yourself, please. Some bits of the book can be tedious, uh, particularly Midland's flashbacks. He flashes back to when he was a kid so eventually oh you were a baker's son Ah, oh, that makes you relatable because you were just a normal kid <laughs> way too much time was spent on that and it it yeah it was fortunate I was listening to it because had I been reading it I probably would have started to lose focus about there. so yeah the actual writing is yeah medium medium now I have to say it does improve as the story progresses because he can actually focus on telling the goddamn story World building, excellent. The man has huge amounts of knowledge about how feudal societies work and I can do nothing but appreciate and respect it. Length, good for me. I like a long book. I like an investment of story. Story's great. Can't say it enough. So, with everything in mind and the things I didn't say, because a lot of this is just built off my opinion, I'll give it seven. a seven to a 7.5. That'd be higher if I was taking the whole series into account, but I'm not. The the, the way I could describe my mother, so I'll talk to you why I'm taking uh, it's not higher. So I'm taking points away for one th- just some of the way he seems to hold me in contempt that and repeating himself. And sometimes it's just some of the things the author writes is unnecessary. Like it's things that he knew would be controversial to write and to read that the details have no bearing in any kind of plot progression, world building it was almost like there was a little bit of outrage to write Outrage, where our like, Hero Minlan, the guy that he is, he calls for a couple of whores while he's in an inn, because why wouldn't you, and they send up a 15 and 17 year old obviously in a medieval style society, that's acceptable, okay he's creating an accurate medieval society you're writing this book in the modern age, mate. I get it. You want it to be accurate. More power to you. It's just an unnecessary detail to tell me that the poor girl's 15. Like, just say, it's a young lass. Most of us aren't going to instantly assume it's underage, but we'll get that it's young. So, come on, man. That's just extra. So what have we done? Contempt. Unnecessary. The editing, again, I hear everywhere. It's terrible. And, you know... I think it was at fault there. I think just you know these things happen. Typos happen. Like it's not unavoidable. So I'd say the book itself is a seven point five, but it does get my seal of approval because it is fantastic, and I recommend you go out right fucking now and read it for the flaws it has, the inconsistencies, and yeah, it is somewhat inconsistent at times. I'm 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 not going to bullshit ya. It's a perfectly honest uh, summarisation and opinion, as as I think, as I feel, but it's still so fucking good. There was definitely room for improvement in a lot of regards, and the series itself has become a bit bloated now. I mean, there's two spin-off series, a couple of books of short stories, then the main stories itself, there's a lot to get through, and it it does make it somewhat difficult for someone who's limited on time and has limited interest and, you know, has real-world things. Like, you know, we can't afford to go out and buy 20 books or just suddenly all of a, Not all of us can, that's okay. Work gets in the way. Not everyone can just listen to an audiobook at work, and I get that. So it's got a bit of a series bloat right now, and I haven't finished the series yet. Because again, it's quite long. So I'll probably give a different impression after I've read the whole thing. But... Yeah. 7.5 out of 10, but a fuck yes yeah seal of approval. Because I would read it again. Listen to it again, rather. Despite the flaws. Now on that note, everyone... well ch- you know, we don't have a Cheerio yet. Just so you know, everyone, I'm going to be doing this um, occasionally now. Like, book stuff. So if any of you have... Stories you wish to tell, if you had a particularly interesting tabletop campaign you want to share, if you yourself are writing a book. You know, if you want to write a book, motherfucker, just do it. You don't need a degree in literature. I certainly don't. I don't look at things from a literary standpoint of, mm, the writing style is very similar to a a esque kind of person. I read stories. I don't just read styles. And there's the difference. Some people say, Oh, he's got a writing style similar to J.S. Morin. And I may have said that at some point. I probably did. But the story beats style. (laughs) Substance over style, motherfuckers. Give me a great story. Don't give me all this flowery speech describing how a fucking Petunia looks. Tell me in detail about a, a troll getting decapitated, you know? So, if you do have anything you want me to review or read feel free to email in at letstalkfantasy93 at gmail.com. You can also contact me through Facebook. And, yeah, I'm very easy to get hold of, and I am responsive. So, feel free. On that final note, it's been a pleasure, everyone. Hope you enjoyed having me in your ear holes, and I'll see you next time. Also, don't ask where the other Warhammer episode is. We've had some problems in like personal problems, which I'm not going into, so... Don't fucking ask questions. Magic. Tata